I'm Joina. I'm Joina. <laughs> now I know you opened the door and you went, uh-oh, it's those nosy uh -oh. neighbors. Nosy neighbors. Oh, we're not no, nosy. We're not. Well, kind of we are. Maybe. <laughs> Here's the deal. A lot of times throughout the years, we've knocked on your door and said, hey, what can we do for you? Yeah. You know? Because that's the type of people we are. But this time, we're going to kind of turn the tables. Flip-flop. And ask <laughs> you what you can do for us. Yeah. Hey, oh, hey, 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 hold the phones, hold the phones. You see, we'll just cut to the quick, okay? Yeah. We have no money. We're broke. We got nothing. Yeah, zippo zuckus. Nada. Bupkis. You see, what we've done is we've taken the happy train to Credit Town. Woo, woo. And we've been having so much fun. We are up to dead in our eyeballs. Over our heads. So we need your help. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I know what you're thinking. Hey, aren't you believers? And we are. We are. We love the Lord. So much. But we've been loving the world. Woo. You guys have some great stuff out there. Really do. At our house is proof. We got so many gizmos and gadgets. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> and we ain't about to give them up. Nope. Okay. So here's what we've decided to do. Yeah. We have proposed a bailout package for you to help us out with. What do you say? Yeah. Oh, 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 hey. Hey, Senator, hold on there, okay? You see, we need your help because we are scared. Yeah, we're so stressed out. We got creditors nipping at our heels like a duck on a June bug. She's got a way with words, and it's so true. Yeah, yeah. It's so oh, true. We're so scared. It's, we're like a, a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. All right, Juno, that's enough. Okay. See, here's the deal. The Bible says yeah. in the book of Malachi. That's Malachi. Whatever. It says, God says, says, hey, 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 test me with your money. Bring all your tithe into Bring the storehouse. And I'll just be honest with you. I failed every test. And my storehouse is about to have a pool. Woo! We are so excited. Yeah. And we ain't getting rid of that. Nope. So what do you say? Can you help us? Yeah. We've, we've earmarked this rescue yeah. plan. Oh, hey, 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 hey. It's good stuff. It's win-win. Come on. Okay. At least, at least just give us some flour. Can we have some flour? Oh. Hey, our son's birthday is this weekend. You could just take that flower and make us a whole cake. What do you say, huh? Yeah. Well, that's a fine howdy-do. I know. Well, I guess it's back to the house to do a revision on the rescue plan. Well, we got to hurry. I got a manicure in 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> all of us, at some time, every American has experienced financial pressure at one time or another in our life and it's it's very easy to get into debt I mean it's not hard at all in our culture and the problem is you're usually in way too deep uh, before you re finally realize it we usually experience financial pressure because of our wants not our needs it's not normally our needs that put us over the top it's our wants uh, Tammy Faye Baker once said shopping is uh, cheaper uh, than a psychiatrist you know, and that's sometimes we get in over our head because we're trying to solve something that's going on inside of us. But this 4th of July, uh, and happy 4th of July, on, you know, we kind of got this thing stretched out, don't we? Started Friday and some people Thursday evening and it's going all the way to Tuesday. So happy 2nd of July uh, as we head to the 4th. And, but this 4th of July and every day, uh, America is on a buying binge. You know, I, I thought about... All those cars. Y'all see those cars on 95 the other day? Wow. I mean, it was both ways jammed on Friday evening. And I was thinking about this message, which has about beat the tar out of me this week. Uh, is I was thinking about, wow, think of all the money that's going to be spent this weekend on all those cars, wherever they're headed, and all the money that, uh, that we will uh, spend 
just this weekend on our buying binge. You know, I, uh, and what's amazing is the experts tell us that the borrowing and credit splurge shows up, uh, uh, shows no sign of letting up. Staggering as it may sound, families across America have more than $600 billion in credit card debt alone. Not counting home loans and car loans and whatever other loans we have, furniture loans and all those loans, just $600 billion in credit card debt alone. Our spending is causing incredible problems and we're becoming enslaved by our financial debt. And uh, as it's out of control debt fuels desperation, depression, and fear. And you know, I thought, wow, what a crazy message to do on the 4th of July weekend. But as I began to think about this message and how we are enslaved by our credit cards, we are enslaved by our debt, and we live in the home of the of the brave, free and brave, or brave and free, and yet we're not totally free because many of us are overwhelmed and enslaved by financial debt. And so, you know, that might be a stretch for you, but I just think that. Uh, you know, that we're in bondage. And when those things uh, come into play, this uh, being enslaved, they put pressure on our relationships. And they become greater than our faith. You see, financial pressure is the number one crisis that the average person or family is facing in America today. And no doubt, there are some of you here today that you can relate to this message. There's some online that are worshiping or that you're just overwhelmed by financial pr uh, pressure. It's the number one crisis. Maybe it's time that we get it in our heads and think about it that, that our debt, that debt is destroying our relationship with God and with others and it robs us of our freedom. You see, that's why on the July 4th weekend I want to talk about how to stay calm when we're overwhelmed by financial pressure and debt. I believe the number one thing that keeps people from experiencing total freedom in our personal and spiritual lives, especially our spiritual lives, is that we're, ha we're being held in slavery to financial debt. And why are so many people in America under financial pressure? Now, this is a great, great truth, okay? I want you to, everybody just pay attention for a moment. Why is America uh, under financial pressure? The answer is we spend more than we make. It's deep, isn't it? We spend more than we make. I'm just kidding. That's not so deep. <laughs> We're not happy with the things with things as they are, and, and we want more. Yet we don't have the money to buy it. And, and so instead of just saying no or let's wait, we say let's buy it now. And, and so we reach uh, for our wallets or our purse, and we pull out our trusty credit card. All of us has got one, right? Our trusty little credit card. I got one right here. And it's really easy to get out when I don't have my mic cord in there. But we just pull it out. I mean, it's just become like a second nature to us. When we want something, we just pull out that trusty credit card. And when we, and when we go into debt, and we're in debt over our heads, we lose our freedom. Proverbs 22.7 says, The borrower, borrower is a servant to the lender. So anytime you get a loan, or anytime uh, you charge it to your credit card, knowing you don't have the money to pay it off, you are, in a sense, uh, you become a servant to those people. You become mentally uh, enslaved to Visa or BB&T 
or wherever that might be. And it wakes us up at night and we worry about how we're going to make our payments, how we're going to pay our house payment, how we're going to do this and that and the other. And you become legally enslaved to those, ultimately responsible in the eyes of the law to make your payments. You see, why, why do we live beyond our means? I, I, I believe it's not because we have a spending problem, so to say. I believe the truth is we actually have a spiritual problem. I believe that when we spend more than we make, and, and, and we, the truth is we don't have a spending problem, we actually have a spiritual problem or maybe even a, an emotional problem, but I'll leave that for gay. I'll talk about the, the spiritual problems that we have. And our spiritual problem is rooted in our misconceptions that we have about spending, but the deeper problem is how we see God in ourselves. The deeper problem, I believe, is how we see God and how we see ourselves. And I believe there are three misconceptions when it comes to spending that I want to talk about first this morning. The first uh, misconception is thinking more things will make me happier. More things, if I got more things, I'll be happier. We think that. I, I've actually talked to people that think that. We believe that. that no society has as much stuff as we do. I mean, I've had the good privilege, Gay and I, of traveling lots of places around the world, and i got to tell you, we got more stuff than any place I've ever been in my whole life. I mean, i got more stuff in my garage than most people own in their whole, uh, in, in their, in their whole lives. How many of you have ever played the game Monopoly? How many? Well, most of you. Uh, you know how the game works, right? Players accumulate property, they build houses and hotels, and then they wait and lie of the other players to land on their property, especially if you got boardwalk and you got that thing hoteled up, so they have to pay up. And eventually, you hope to bankrupt everyone else, and you end up with the most money and the most property. American capitalism at its best. And we get eye. We like that. But regardless who, who wins the game, regardless, I mean, the game's over. Regardless who wins, when the game is finished, what do we do? We fold the board up. All the game pieces are put back in their little places. If you're that kind of person, somebody just throw them in. And the lid goes on the box. And we realize it's only been a game. Owning expensive cars and huge houses and affluent neighborhoods and living a more is better life will give you more, no more happiness than winning Monopoly. You see, when, when life is over, the game pieces are put away and the lid is closed on your coffin and you're put in the ground, it won't really matter who owned the railroads or the boardwalks or who has the most toys. Earthly wealth doesn't guarantee earthly happiness. But the problem is we think having more things will make me happy. Ecclesiastes, who uh, Solomon had more money than anybody ever, he, he says, he who loves money shall never have enough. The foolishness of thinking that wealth brings happiness. The more you have, the more you spend. If things buy happiness, the people with the most things would be the most happiest, you'd think, and that's not true. Things can bring you happiness, true, for a while. But the thrill wears off when the credit card bill comes in the mail. You see, lasting happiness is not in things. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says it's better to be satisfied with what you have than always wanting something else. 
Our second misconception is thinking more things will make me more important. Now, I talked about this back in the identity service or, uh, series, but we believe that I am what I own and that my possessions determine my value, my self-worth. We think if I only had a, if I only have a little, then I must be worth just a little. If I have a lot, then I must be worth a whole lot. If I want to be liked, if I want to be respected, if I want to be looked up to, then I've got to keep getting things, and I've got to have more and more and more because the more I have, the more important I feel and the more worthy I feel. I don't know who said this first, but I've said it many times, and I know it's not my original thing, but the problem is that when we think things make us important, we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't have, uh, we impress people we don't like. We buy more things, uh, let me say that, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like and we don't even know. It's amazing what people will do to feel better about who they are. I read a story about a man that was driving his Mercedes, and he went around the curve a little too fast, and he slid off the road, and as he went over the cliff, he, he, he jumps out, and he's crying, my new Mercedes, you know. And a guy stops to help, and he says, hey, man, didn't you notice? Your right arm has been severed. And the man says, oh, no, my Rolex, too. Luke says, be on your guard against greed in any shape or form, for a man's real life in no way depends on the number of his possessions. Don't confuse your net worth with your self-worth. Your value is not based on your valuables. The third misconception that we have, and that is thinking more things will make me more secure. The more I have, the more secure I will feel. You know, it, I, I, I have, have you ever noticed that the more things we own, the more things we have to worry about? I mean... Proverbs says those who depend on their wealth will fall like the leaves of autumn, and they will certainly fall. He says, Proverbs says the rich man thinks of his wealth as impregnable defense, a high wall of safety. And Proverbs says, what a dreamer. There are so many ways you can lose everything overnight. I mean, you might be secure right now. You might feel like you got your ducks in order. You got just the right amount of money in the savings. You got that nice car. You got that nice home. You got the kids in the right college, the right school. Everything's going good for you. I mean, you got it all together, and you feel really secure. I mean, you got your retirement all planned out. And overnight, you can lose everything. And, and if you're going to have security, you've got to put that security in something you cannot lose. You have to put your security in things that you cannot lose. It can't be taken from you. You can have it all. First Timothy says, when we long to be rich, we are prey to temptation. We get trapped into all sorts of foolish and dangerous ambitions, which eventually, eventually plunge us, us into ruins. People will sacrifice all kinds of things to feel secure, even relationships for things. There's a story about a guy who won the lottery. And he called home and he said, honey, I've just won $50 million. Start packing. And she was all excited and she said, uh, hot weather or cold weather? And he said, I don't care as long as you're gone when I get home. <laughs> you know, we'll do anything to feel secure. Money does crazy things to you. How many families have been ruined because of finances? You know, it's still 
Finances is still one of the leading causes of divorce. And it still happens every day. You know, we try to get wealthy. It's important. Uh, we think it's the most important thing in life. So how do I stay calm when I'm enslaved by financial pressure? How do I stay calm? First of all, find your happiness in helping others. Find your happiness in doing what God wants us to do with our life. You know, not in things, not in possessions, not in pleasures, not in bank accounts, not in gold cards, not in expensive cars or name brand clothes, but in helping others. In Acts, Jesus says there's more happiness in giving than receiving. And we all know that's a universal privilege or uh, principle. We all know lots of people, I do, I know lots of people who live in wonderful homes, in wonderful neighborhoods, with a driveway full of cars, and they're, they're lonely and unhappy. Things do not give lasting happiness. The Bible says, happy are those whose greatest desires do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. So the key to staying calm in life uh, is not uh, from what you have. You find happiness in helping other people. So, so if you're miserable in life, and when we're not happy and things are not going our way and we just want to get a little hit, we go out and buy something. And we normally put that on a credit card. And I'm saying the next time we feel that way, because I've no doubt done that in my life, the next time you feel like you've got to go buy something to feel a little better, maybe just help somebody. Maybe just take time to, to help your neighbor, to give your life away. But ultimately, we find true happiness when we know God's will for our life and we do God's will for our life. Ultimately, having more does not make me more important or happy or more secure. So find your happiness in helping others. Another way to stay calm when facing financial pressure is find my self-worth in knowing God. Isaiah says, God says, you are precious in my sight. Now, God himself, the creator of the universe, the God that hung the stars and the moon in the sky, the God who blew breath into my lungs, says, I am precious. Don't you just love that? Grace, you're just precious in God's sight. Joe, God says you're precious. You're precious. Jimmy, as hard as it is to say, <laughs> you're precious, buddy, <laughs> in God's sight. We're precious. And that's what God thinks about all of us. If God thinks we're precious, then we're certainly worth something. Okay, you're precious. Not only in God's sight, but my sight. You're precious. That's the foundation of real self-worth. What does God think of you? You are uniquely created. That God created you for his pleasure. God created you to be in relationship with you. And, and when I'm insecure and I don't feel good about me, we think if I drive a certain kind of car or I wear a certain kind of clothes or I, I go to uh, certain places to eat, then I think if I have these things, then I'm cool, uh, that, that, that these things are cool, then I must be cool. When you really understand how much God loves you, when you really understand how much we matter to God, and we really understand that God's crazy about us, when we really believe that God's not mad at us, that, that, that you are significant in him, then you no longer have to prove yourself. You don't have to prove yourself to feel good about who you are. Your self-worth is based on what God says about you, not about what you say about you or what other people say about you. 
or what your clothes say about you. Matthew says, your heavenly father feeds the birds. Are you not more valuable than they? You know you're more valuable than birds, right? You know that? Okay, thanks, John. I'm glad you know that. Do you know that? Just go, yeah, buddy, we know that. Okay, get over it. <laughs> of course you are. You matter to God. And if God takes care of the birds, then I believe he's going to take care of, he, take care of you. When God created us, he said, that's good. And we're good. And he's going to take care of us. So you don't have to worry about it. Romans says, the proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The cross shows how important we are. The cross shows how important we are. Jesus thought you were worth dying for. Every single one of us. That God thought so much of us that he sent his one and only son to be crucified and hung on a cross and dead and buried in a grave and shed his blood. That's how important we are. It doesn't matter what other people think. When you start finding your happiness in helping others, when you start finding your self-worth, that God loves me and I'm important in his eyes, it's then that I can stay calm when I'm under financial pressure. I can stay calm when I don't feel happy, or I don't feel secure, or I don't feel worth much. The final way to stay calm under financial pressure is to find my security in trusting God. I find my self-worth in knowing God, knowing he loves me, and I find my security in trusting God. Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. Be content. That's one of the biggest problems we have in America today. We're not content. And God's saying being content where you're at, not, you know, be content here, not over here, but be content right here where you're at with what you have, what you own, who you're married to, who your children are, whatever circumstance in your life. Paul told Timothy that, be content. Be content. And he says in Hebrews, be content, or she, whoever wrote that. God has said, I will never leave you nor abandon you. You see, this verse says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Money's not bad. It's the love of money that gets you in trouble. You should only love God and love others. The Bible says, God is with me and I have everything, so God is all I need. You see, the Bible says nothing, nothing, that means nothing, nothing, there's not anything that can separate us from the love of God. Not anything. Not anything. No matter where you spent last night, no matter how bad you've messed up in your life, no matter what mistakes you've made or decisions you've made in the past, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And if you're going to be secure, you've got to put your security not in your bank account, or other people, but put your security in something that can never be lost. Whether your bank account is lost or not, or whether America goes into the greatest depression ever, our security is in God. It's not what you own that makes you secure. It's who owns us. It's who owns us. Okay? All right. So in closing, I want to give you just some practical help real quick. These are not even your notes because they weren't there when the notes were made. Um, but I want to give you some practical help on how to be free from financial pro, uh, pressure. Now, here's another one of these great, great, deep truths. Stop spending more than you make. Think about that. Stop spending more than you make. You're probably thinking, gosh, he's bright. 
This is where, you though, you have to be brave. I, I, I mean, I, I got to tell you, we have people come in to get money from the church, you know, to, to, so we can help them pay their bills. And so we have them fill out this form. And on the form that they fill out, we ask certain questions about certain things they have. And I'm thinking, good golly molly, no wonder you're broke. I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, if you would just get rid of some of that, you'd have enough to go on vacation too. But, you know, it, you have to be brave. That may mean you have to cut off the cable. Oh, my gosh, buddy. <laughs> or shut down the Internet. Or get rid of your iPhone and buy a track phone, you know. Or flip phone. They still sell flip phones. <laughs> sell your expensive car and buy a cheaper one. Cut out Starbucks. Cut out those Coca-Colas and the candy bars. You know, stop spending more than you make. Next, maybe you need to find a second job. I know that's crazy, but when you get in over your head, sometimes it takes more cash and you got to get another job or have a big old sale. Get rid of some of the stuff that you got because if you don't sell it now, when you die, somebody else is going to sell it. So you might as well sell it while you're living to pay your bills off. Just pay your credit card debt off and just keep paying it and paying it and paying it. Next, uh, you're not going to like this one, but it really is the truth, and that is give to the Lord. When you're going through a financial crisis, it's easy to become discouraged and stop giving. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, oh gosh, i got to give, or under compulsion, all right, all right. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And God, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, is able to make all grace abound to you. So now listen to this, so that in all things at all times, you give with a cheerful heart, you decide in your own heart what you're going to give, and you give it not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but with a cheerful heart, and the Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, there's never a time because it says at all times, having all you need. Wow, somebody ought to be getting their wallet out because you didn't give in the bucket. Or somebody ought to be running out there and giving or give something to Salvation Army, give something, something. It says having all that you need. Having all that you need. Not all your greeds, but all your needs. That's a promise. And I got to tell you what, I know that promise is true as true can be. I was just thinking this week, my goodness, the things that God has given us beyond our needs and how God has blessed us. And we've tithed when there has been nothing to tithe in our life. We've not always been where we're at today. I can promise you that. But we've always given to God. And I got to tell you, in the summertime at our church, at Salem Fields Community Church, trying to pay the bills and do all the things and keep ministry going is tough. But here's what I can promise you about your church. 12.5% comes out every week, and we give it away. We tithe, no matter how difficult it is, on every dollar that comes into our church. Rebuild everything. We tithe. And I got to tell you, sometimes I look at that, that's $5,000. And with electric bills, $9,000. But God promises that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What an incredible promise. 
God will bless you when you give. And when you give with a cheerful heart. Finally, and this probably should have been first, but I wasn't thinking in order when I wrote these yesterday. But a budget is spending is a spending diet. Create a budget. A budget is a spending diet. But the problem is that you are no more able to stay on a spending diet than you are on an eating diet until you settle the root issues of your spiritual life. And that is, where's my happiness? And where's my self-worth? And where's my security? When you settle those issues, you will truly be free from having to spend what you don't have to impress the people that you don't like. <coughs> and you'll truly be free. God created you to be free. So what will be the result of living by God's word? Will everything work out the way I want it to work out? Will I have all my bills get, will all my bills get paid on time? Will I not lose my house? Will I get a big raise? Maybe, but maybe not. But here's what I know will happen. Here's what I know will happen when we do as the Lord has commanded us to do. The Lord himself will fight for you. So stay calm. The Lord himself will fight for you. So stay calm. We can either do it our way and end up the way we are today. We can do it our way and end up the way we are today. And we can, we can fight it alone. We can go at it alone. You can make it all work out on your own. Or we can do it God's way and let him fight for and with us when we're under financial pressure. Either way, it takes a brave person and hard work to get out from under financial debt. I, I would much rather go at it, though, knowing that God is fighting for me than to go at it on my own and deciding I know better than God knows. So here's this week's equation. When under financial pressure, God plus you equals financial freedom eventually. So stay calm. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today for your love, for your grace, for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, for every person that's in this room today. We thank you for those that may be here for the very first time, for those that are watching online or dining and watching in the cafe. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just fall fresh in you upon us, Lord. Will you just rain down on us like rain? God, will you speak to our hearts today? As we close out our time together, Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would have your way in our lives. And so with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, no one looking around, gay may look around, but no one else, no peeking, because this is a very personal issue. And that personal issue is that we want to pray for you. As your pastors, we want to pray for you. And I know some of you are struggling financially. And you'd say, Buddy, will you and Gay pray for us? Will you pray for us this week and even today as we close out our service? With all of our heads bowed, would you just slip up your hands and say, pray for us? Yes, all over the auditorium. God bless you. God sees your hand. God sees your hand. Yes, you can put them back down. Anybody else? Just slip it right up, put it right back down. In the back. God bless you, man. God bless you up front and over here. Father, thank you for the honesty. Lord, we have to admit that we're in a bad shape. And so I pray, God, for every person that raised their hand today. I pray, dear God, that your Holy Spirit would minister 
in a wonderful way. God, I pray that you would set each of us free from the financial burdens and worries that we carry in our soul. And God, that we would come to grips with who we are in Christ. And that we find all that we need in our relationship with you. God, help us to trust you. Help us to put our hope in you. With all of you that are here today, and you know, you can't call on God if you don't know God. Right? You got to know God. Got to be in relationship with Him so that He can hear your prayers when you pray and He can know that you love Him and you're in a relationship with Him and you're willing to trust Him with your life. And that comes when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a personal relationship with him. But I certainly want my sins to be forgiven. I want to know that I know that I just know that God is going to fight for me. And so you're ready to maybe accept him and ask God to forgive you of your sins. So with all of our heads bowed, if you want to pray this prayer, you don't have to pray it out loud, but you pray with, with all your heart. Pray it by faith as pray this, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Just pray that. I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And then you just say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. We've all sinned. Nothing to be embarrassed about. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So you just ask God to forgive you of your sins. And then you invite him into your heart. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. That's it. If you prayed that prayer with all of your heart, you prayed it sincerely today. Here's what I want you to do next. Thank you, Jesus. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for being my Savior. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, I just want you to acknowledge to God and Gay and I and as a witness, but you're saying to God, hey, I'm serious about this. I pray, God, and I believe you've forgiven me, and I believe you're my Savior. With all of our heads bowed, if anybody prayed that prayer today, would you just slip up your hand? Anybody? Yes. 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 God bless you. God sees your hand. Wow. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer, this is really, really important, okay? Really important. Out at the table where Jason's cards are at, around there somewhere, there's going to be Pastor Mark there, or maybe even Pastor Jason. I want you to go out there, and I want you to talk to them just a moment. They want to give you a salvation band, this little band that I have on my wrist. You can look right up and look at it. And they want to give you that because that will help you to remember and know what God did for you today. So don't walk out and not pick up that band, okay, and talk to the, one of those pastors. Father, thank you for all those who raised their hand today. We praise you, we honor you, and we thank you, Lord. May they sense and know just how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.
able and uh, remember that great wisdom that buddy gave us today just uh spend less than you make right that's our takeaway see you next time